Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Good morning. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest is passionate about inspiring Christians to know God, not just know about God by immersing themselves in Scripture. Now with her third Bible study out, Erica Wiggenhorn digs deep into the book of Luke, explaining the culture, the words, and the life of Jesus in the project Unexplainable Jesus, Rediscovering the God You Thought You Knew. You're really passionate about uh, Bible teaching. What made you so interested in going down this route? Well, Colleen, I became a Christian as a young teen, and when I decided to follow Jesus with my life, my very patient youth pastor said, Erica, um, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to be important for you to have a quiet time. And if you knew me very well, you would know I don't really like sitting down, uh, sitting still, and I don't really like being quiet. And so I wasn't really (laughs) happy about this bit of information. Uh, And when I began to open up my Bible as a young teenager, uh, I didn't understand it. I'm a city girl. I grew up in the Los Angeles area, and I didn't know what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about millstones and yolks and mustard seeds and fig trees. I had never even seen such things. And I remember saying to Jesus, how am I supposed to follow you if I can't even understand you? And that really began a quest for me to try and uh, gain some biblical knowledge so that when I opened up my Bible, it would make some sense to me because for many years, I struggled to read my Bible because it didn't make sense, and I didn't understand it. And honestly, I felt like it was boring and removed from my life. And I think a lot of Christians out there can relate to that. They they know they're supposed to read it. They feel guilty when they don't read it. But when they pick it up, they have a really hard time connecting the dots between their daily lives and the struggles that they're facing and the questions that they're asking and how that relates to eating wheat on a Sabbath. It, it, and that's really, that's really my Wait. passion, is to help people connect those dots. Yeah, the book of Numbers at first glance, not so exciting all the time, right? Right, absolutely. Leviticus. Yeah. No, I mean, we could go on and on. Um, but once you get some of the backstory and you understand some of the history behind it and the culture. Um, you know, I meet so many uh, Christians that say, you know, I- I'm fine with reading the New Testament, but I don't really like the Old Testament, but I- I'm okay with the New Testament. But then what they don't realize is probably 75% of what's in the New Testament is referencing back to the Old Testament. So if you don't know the connections it can lead to a misunderstanding of what the New Testament author is really trying to say. You miss yeah. out on the richness of what Jesus is saying. Um, you miss out on, you know, how out of the box Jesus was culturally and how he left people's heads just spinning. And um, so it's important. It's important that we learn it. Um, but that doesn't have to be a, a painful process. It can actually be an enjoyable process. Um, How did it become uh, enjoyable for you? What were those like first moments where you're like, oh, wait a second, this is amazing? <laughs> sure. Uh, 
Sure, yeah. So it was a long process, honestly. I mean, it wasn't just like one day I picked it up and suddenly it was like, oh, this is the best book ever. Um, it was a long process for me. Um, and really, the biggest part of the process, honestly, Mike, was uh, taking that step of being committed to joining Bible studies and sitting at the feet of some brothers and sisters in Christ that were a little further along on their faith journey than I was and learning from them and, and what they had experienced and learned from being in God's Word. Um, honestly, it was that step was the biggest thing because I began to learn from other people and I began to um, get to hear how Jesus had met other people in his word and in their life circumstances and then become inspired and say, I want to have those kind of experiences with Jesus too. Uh, yeah, often we'll hear people say, well, context is important when you read the Bible, but I think a lot of people think that means, well, you've got to read the whole paragraph, right? But context in a wider meaning is like understanding what that meant at that time to those people and what was going on in the culture around them and things like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, as much as we don't really want to admit it, we we read the Bible like 21st century Westerners because that's who we are and that's the culture we live in. Um, you know, but Jesus was a first century Easterner. And first century Palestinians thought about life and the world and and right and wrong and good and bad um, very differently than we do. And they taught and learned very differently than we do. For instance, here's just a super simple example. Um, you know, when we're reading a, a paper or a a magazine article or a nonfiction book, or we go to church on Sunday morning, our um, minister or pastor is generally going to give us some biblical points, and then he's going to end his sermon or wrap it up with a way to walk it out, some kind of application. Yeah. That, that big bang comes at the end. But when Jesus taught, the big bang uh, was actually in the middle of the parable. The big takeaway was in the middle. And so when we're listening and reading one of Jesus' stories that he's telling, whether it's, you know, the Good Samaritan or the lost sheep or the prodigal son, we're always looking for the point of application at the end. So we're kind of barreling through this story, and then we get to the end, and we're like, oh, okay, well, so now what does this mean for me? Um, but Jesus actually had the big aha moment in the middle of the story. And so it's simple things like this, uh, learning the differences in culture and teaching style and history that help us unpack scripture in a much more powerful way. So can you tell us about Unexplainable Jesus and what this book offers? So really my prayer, honestly, Colleen, for this book is, is twofold. Um, the study walks the readers really verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. And so my hope is that when they set this down after completing this study, they they will say, you know, I didn't just learn about Jesus, but I actually encountered Jesus. I felt like one of those uh, first century uh, Israelites sitting at his feet and, and experiencing this whole scene and just how unbelievably crazy it was 
just like they did. And my second hope, honestly, is that after having this experience of bringing in the culture, bringing in the history, um, seeing how Luke's gospel relates to the other 65 books in the Bible, they will really feel equipped and empowered to say, you know what, I understand this study process a little bit more. I understand how I'm supposed to approach Scripture when I open it up, and I feel much more confident that if I now turn a few pages in my Bible and begin to read the book of Acts or Paul's letter to the Romans, I can apply some of these study principles and feel much more confident in studying Scripture on my own now as well. You're mentioning Luke. What got you so interested in Luke's gospel in particular? So what I love about Luke is uh, Luke, well, two things. Uh, the first thing I love about Luke is that he is a physician. So yeah. I'm, I'm married to a physician. Ah. I've been married to a physician for a long time. And a couple of things that I can tell you about uh, my doctor that I'm married to, <laughs> I think is pretty... Uh, pretty true of a lot of doctors is, you know, doctors are are students of the sciences. And so they're very logical. They're very orderly. They're easy to follow. Um, you know, they're very kind of cut and dry and, and clear in their communication. Um, but the second thing is, is they have a level of compassion, right? They really want to help people. They really want people to feel cared for. And I love the fact that Luke, Luke's gospel is, is very chronological. Uh, you know, he starts out very clearly, like, here's the whole reason why I wrote this, mm-hmm. so that you can know with certainty uh, that what you have been taught makes sense, it's true, it's an undisputable fact. Jesus was fully human, fully divine, sent to save the world by dying on the cross and, and resurrecting from the dead, right? He's super clear about the purpose of his gospel. Yeah. But then through the whole thing, we see Jesus as just this kind and loving and compassionate and involved Savior in, in the affairs and, and the heartache and the pain and the questions and the doubts that we go through in this life that are a part of every human's experience on this fallen planet, and we see the kindness and goodness of God. And I think that's his his compassionate side coming out, that it was so important that we understood this aspect of our Savior. And so I just love Luke's gospel for both of those reasons. One of the things that seems really clear to me when reading Luke 2 is that he he seems to have spent time with the people involved in the story, and I always imagine him interviewing them, right? And maybe even interviewing Mary, who knows, sitting down at a table and tell me about Jesus, what was he like as a little boy, and this and that, right? And uh, one, yes. of the, one of the other things is he's kind of a storyteller, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Luke is really the only gospel writer who wasn't an eyewitness to Jesus. Right. So he's not just he's not just trying to tell the Jesus story from his perspective and his experience. He did exactly that, Mike. He went around and he he personally interviewed all of these people and then he took all of their perspectives and all of their experiences and he weaved them into this beautiful tapestry of the life of Jesus. And so 
I feel as though because of that, because it, you know, it probably took him almost 10 years to construct this gospel with all of the traveling and the interviewing that he did and the research that he did. And I think that we get the most multifaceted look at, at the person and the character of Christ as a result of it. So along with your book, you're also preparing to launch a, a weekly YouTube series. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So one of the things, obviously, with Luke's gospel we mentioned is that, you know, he says, you know, that you would know with certainty the things that you've been taught. And so one of the things that um, I really felt compelled, honestly, Colleen, is that people would know that Jesus is real. And how do we reach people with the gospel? How do we reach people with this certainty that Jesus is human and divine, come to save the world? How do we reach people um, that are not going to cross the threshold of our churches? And what what I saw Jesus do in Luke's gospel is is go out and step directly into the middle of a need, a, a true need, a true struggle, and Jesus shows up and he steps in and he provides hope and he provides healing. And so that was really the impetus behind this YouTube series. And so we have people uh, that that we interviewed, and they tell their story about how Jesus showed up in the middle of their doubting, in the middle of their distress, in the middle of their pain, and did something unexplainable in their lives. And so, um, you know, it's out on YouTube, and so our prayer is, you know, people are going to be, um, they might not show up on the church store doorstep with these questions, but they are asking questions like, I'm a teenager and I'm pregnant. What do I do? Um, I'm struggling with alcoholism. What do I do? I have a loved one who is addicted to painkillers. What do I do? Um, I've been sexually abused. What do I do? Um, you know, these are real issues that people are facing, and Jesus is the real answer. And uh, so we're hoping that uh, they find us. We're trusting that they will. It's, it's out there for them to find, and uh, they will begin to say, um, you know what, Je- Jesus did something unexplainable in, in Vanessa's life. Maybe he can do something unexplainable in mine. Maybe I need to start uh, exploring this Jesus a little more seriously, and that's really the hope behind it. And, and speaking of unexplainable and unexpected, uh, was there anything throughout your process of working on this study, both the YouTube and the book, that was unexpected for yourself? For me, the thing that was really most unexpected is I felt, well, there were a couple things, but I would say one of the things that, that just really struck me was how completely out of the box Jesus was. I mean, we we read the gospel and we can be so critical, you know, of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the fact that, you know, they they weren't accepting Jesus. They they couldn't wrap their minds around his claims and, you know, putting ourselves in their shoes. Um, you know, they weren't expecting God himself to come down from heaven clothed as a man. That was not they, that was not in their mindset of what Messiah was going to be like. And I thought, you know, 
what would it be like for you and I if, you know, we are going into um, our local community one day and a guy walks up to us and he says, I- I'm God. I'm God. I want you all to know I'm God and I have been sent um, to save you. Um, the first thing that we would probably do is, is try and call a psychiatrist because we would assume that he's crazy. Um, but if he said that and then all of a sudden... Um, with the touch of his hand, he's eradicating cancer, and there's hundreds of, you know, drug lords and sex traffickers falling at his feet in repentance, and he's going to the local McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal and feeding <laughs> 5,000 people with it. We would, start, we would start scratching our heads, right? We'd be like, well, wait a minute. Um, this is super weird, but yet he's doing things only God could do. How do we put this all together in our minds? And so for me, I I just began to realize there is a level of faith that Jesus asked us to have. There are things in this life that don't make sense. There are times, honestly, when Jesus just doesn't make sense. We think that he should do um, something specific in our life, in our circumstances, um, answer our prayers a particular way, and he doesn't, and we can, our faith can kind of get rocked and shaken by that. We see suffering, we don't understand it, but Jesus was unexplainable. There was, the people then didn't understand him either. You know, they're scratching their heads going, what is going on? Yeah. I love and, and and that's the reality of life on this planet. Is mm. we're we're going to experience that with Jesus sometimes too, and look at him and say, "What is going on? Why aren't you? <laughs> Why aren't you doing what we want you to do?" Totally, I love that analogy of Jesus today. Be going to McDonald's, feeding five thousand with two filet fish and five orders of fries, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, now, at the start of the interview, we talked about the importance of context, right, and knowing the historical context. So uh, tell everybody, what was the context when Luke was writing his gospel, and, and what's going to open up for us when we understand that context? Well, I think Luke had a real sense of urgency in constructing his gospel. Um, when Jesus was, you know, walking on the earth over and over, he uh, predicted and prophesied that, uh, Jerusalem was going to fall, and he made it clear that that was going to happen, you know, within the, the audience's lifetime. Now, what we also see in that point in history is anti-Semitism was really rising in the Roman Empire, and it was becoming, there was greater and greater unrest. And and also, many of the original 12 disciples uh, were were dying off. Either they had been martyred or they were, you know, getting up there in years. And there was this urgency of if we don't have uh, a, a solid document of Jesus's life and what he taught uh, soon, we may never have it. And so while Luke clearly says that there were there was a lot of writing out there about Jesus's life he felt compelled to put something very comprehensive together and that was sort of his um, his ticking timeline if you will and I think that when we understand you know Luke is basically 
You know, he's like, look, there's a whole bunch out there, guys, on Wikipedia about Jesus, but I want to give you the Encyclopedia Britannica edition that (laughs) you can know everything in here is solid. It's not just hearsay. I've researched it to death. Um, I've talked to eyewitnesses. You know, this is is the solid uh, material that you can go to in your own research project of figuring out who Jesus is. This is a legit source I've got here for you. For people who want to learn more about yourself, about your book, or about your YouTube series, how do they go about doing that? Um, basically, they can find all of that information right on my website, which is uh, just my by my big mouthful of a name, ericawiganhorn.com, um, <laughs> and they can find find it all right there. Erica, I could talk to you for hours. I love it. Likewise. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to that Bible study. So am I. It sounded amazing. We'll talk to you again on Connections.